This podcast explores the commonality between our DMB brothers and sisters to demonstrate the true strength and depth of our family. We have all shared the same soundtrack in our best and worst times. And with that fact, we argue that we're never truly alone when the music is playing. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. There are a few bits of DMB and DMB On Demand news to cover straight away. Today, I interview singer-songwriter Eli Carr. Eli is a very down-to-earth individual who wears his heart on his sleeve. In these days and times, that is harder and harder to find. So I think you'll really enjoy hearing his story. The Way I Heard It segment for this week revolves around the song, Do You Remember? and features Leah, Sam, and Mary Jane from season one. Dave Matthews will be a special guest on At Prez Hall's Round Midnight Preserves, a virtual fundraiser to benefit Prez Hall Foundation. Watch the stream for free at prezhallfoundation.org this Saturday, June 20th at 8 p.m. Central Time. Check our show notes for a link to watch the stream. Also, watch Dave Matthews perform as part of All In WA 2020. That's Twitter at All In WA 2020. It's a concert for the COVID relief, and this will be airing on Wednesday, June 24th at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. That's Wednesday, June 24th at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Tune in to allinwa.org to stream. That link will also be up in our show notes. I'm not sure if you heard about it or not, but Dave Matthews Band is back on Sirius XM. And this time, they're here to stay. So the DMB channel on Sirius XM is channel 30. You can hear music throughout DMB's career, unreleased concerts, solo material, and musical influences, plus much, much more. The channel is already streaming, so hop over to SiriusXM, Channel 30, to listen to DMB Radio 24-7. I'm still working on tweaking our episodes uh, and the format to make it more inclusive for the audience. My good friends will be sharing some DMB history and exploring what certain songs mean to them each week. If you'd like to come on to the show as a guest, please visit dmbondemand.com slash beourguest. It's B-E-O-U-R-G-U-E-S-T. And if you'd like to be part of the Way I Heard It segment at the end of each episode, visit dmbondemand.com and click on co-contributors underneath the podcast link in the menu. Now, before I jump into the interview, I want to take a moment to share some DMB history. My good friend Bridget from season one will be the voice of this segment. And today she's sharing the story of DMB from the years 1992, 93, and 94. With that said, take it away, Bridget. Dave Matthews' band began, 1992, with a Tuesday night residency at Trax that continued throughout the year. Word of the group's unique sound quickly spread. Clubs started to fill up and tours began to cover more territory. The fan base grew at an incredible rate as DMB ventured outside its native Virginia to North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, and New York. The band played 166 shows in 1992. 1993. The year is now 1993 and the band continued to tour up and down the eastern seaboard, playing a mixture of headline shows, supporting dates and festivals, including DMB's first Horde dates. The group's fan base continued to grow at an astonishing rate. By allowing concert goers to tape shows for personal use, Dave Matthews' band created what remains to this day as a highly interactive community. In September, DMB played its first show at Colorado's Red Rocks Amphitheater opening for the tragically hip in the samples. Two years later, DMB would headline the legendary venue. On November 9th, 1993, 
DMB released its first album, Remember Two Things, on its own Bama Rags label. The album, which had been recorded live at the Muse Music Club on Nantucket Island in August of 93, debuted on the college charts as the highest independent entry, a significant accomplishment for an independent album. Remember Two Things was subsequently certified platinum. The band played 205 shows this year. 1994. In May of 1994, Dave Matthews' band began recording Under the Table and Dreaming. Its first studio album and RCA debut at Bearsville Studio in upstate New York with fame producer Steve Lillywhite of Rolling Stones and U2. Tim Reynolds, a guitarist who frequently performed live with DMB, had also begun to play shows with Matthews as part of an acoustic duo, played on all tracks. Bama Rags released recently a five-track EP on May 17th. DMB celebrated the September 27, 1994 release of Under the Table and Dreaming with a hometown show at McIntyre Amphitheater, where the mayor of Charlottesville proclaimed it Dave Matthews Band Day. The group embarked on its first national tour thereafter and also played in its first European dates. Under the Table and Dreaming debuted at number 34 on the Billboard, on the Billboard 200 and spent 116 consecutive weeks on the chart, peaking at number 11. The success of the album's first single, What Would You Say, at radio expanded the band's audience. In November, DMV shot footage for the accompanying video, its first during a return engagement at the Fox Theater in Boulder, Colorado. The band played 226 shows in 1994. Join us next week as we continue to break down the history of DMV, and now, on to this week's interview. This week, we're interviewing Eli Carr. Let me tell you two things that I'm looking forward to about this interview. Number one, we get to talk a little bit about a song that I think is criminally underrated. It's a short one, it's a sweet one, um, but the lyricism in it is just profound, and that's Little Red Bird. So I'm excited that that we'll talk a little bit about Little Red Bird today and, uh, and what it means both to Eli and myself. And we're also going to talk with Eli um, just about life. And I'll tell you, you know, Eli is, is what you see is what you get. And is, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And in a world where you have to go out there being suspect of people's agendas or motives, it's refreshing when you come across somebody where you don't have to worry about that. Where you can be yourself because that person is being themselves. And that's the end of the story. So I think that's something that when you find, you should celebrate. And that's what we're gonna do today. So Eli, if you could just kind of jump in and round yourself out as a person, your name, location, what you do for a living, any hobbies that you have, just let us get to know you a little bit and take your time. Absolutely. First of all, I wanna thank you, Andrew, for uh, putting on this awesome podcast that you do. I've been listening to it, catching up on the on the episodes and I've fallen in love with it man I really love the way that uh, what you bring to the table as far as communication and the positive message that you have between it all and being a part of the DMV community it's uh, very welcoming and loving so I want to thank you man really appreciate the opportunity um, so yeah my name is Eli Carr I'm a uh, singer songwriter I live in the mo at the moment, uh, Batavia, New York, and um, I do my absolute best to turn my interests and hobbies into my profession. So, what I want to do is be a uh, singer-songwriter, just full-time musician, um, writing music and playing gigs and stuff. Um, to sustain that, at the moment, I. <clears throat> followed another passion of mine which is uh, uh, my native roots and also history and art so I've created a way to sustain my music habit or my music career <laughs> with uh, these uh, clay wampum beads that I make that, uh, that go into jewelry and native tr traditional native art so that's mainly what I do with my life. All right, so um, kind of have a similarity there. I 
did graphic design for fun for years with DMB uh, related content and it got to the point where I wondered why don't I try to make this my living and so I switched over from working at a hotel to doing freelance graphic design found out that holy hell I can make a living doing this and so like just like with you when you are making a living doing something that you would do for fun that's that's pretty rare right there uh, it's a good thing to hold on to absolutely um, all right so so we talked a little bit before this interview about how the coronavirus hasn't really affected us too much because we're kind of homebodies anyway can you share a little bit about what life looks like for you now that we're under this self-quarantine <laughs> well I, uh, I live with my family, and um, so what's really cool, um, my sister is home until the businesses and whatnot start back up, so I'm getting to spend more time with my sister um, and my brother-in-law. He's working from home, so luckily he didn't get laid off or anything, but uh, he still works, but he's home at least, which is really nice, and uh, yeah, it's just really kind of taking a step back and uh, reflecting on each other and enjoying each other's time and kind of realizing that like my sister just said the other day she was like I don't think we have I don't think anybody should have to work 40 hours a week she's like this is ridiculous because I love this I hope we don't have to go back you know so um, it's just we having a lot of fun and uh, just kind of riding out with the storm and as long as you know, we're just with each other bunked up and uh, I couldn't think of any better people to be bunked up with so I'm very happy. Yeah, man, same here. Um, so the listeners don't know, my wife and I, we, we travel for a living. I can I can do what I do anywhere there's an internet connection, and she is a traveling trauma nurse. So every three months or so, we travel to the, another state, and we stay there for three months, and sometimes we extend six months, like here in Santa Monica, California, we extended because the weather was too nice. Um, but, you know, we're on the road. Indiana is our home base where all of our family is. And we've been up to the Northeast. We've been to Washington, Florida, California. Colorado's up next for the fall time. And there's only one thing that this coronavirus has done that, that's negative for us. And that's that even though we're homebodies anyway, when we got homesick, we would always go, we'd go to like Disneyland or Universal Studios just to distract ourselves. And now when we get homesick, all we can do is sit here and think about it. And that's probably the one facet of this coronavirus that, that really hits us hard because when you're homesick, man, you don't have anything to distract yourself that can start to eat at you. But beyond that, we're, we're handling it just fine ourselves. So. Um, all right, well, let's jump into the music side of things now. And this is a question most people have a difficult time answering. Not that it's hard, but they have a hard time picking their favorites. I understand that. Um, but we're going to ask the questions anyway. So what would be your favorite DMB song? And let us know why that one is your favorite. Yeah, that's definitely a tough question um, my f it would change every day you know I'm such a moody person so like if it depends on what's going on and all that you know and just describing the times but you know a solid song that I can always go back to um, from DMB would be Ant's Margin you know and I don't want to maybe sound like cliche or whatever but that song you just can't help but be in a good mood as soon as you hear the, the drums coming in and then the violin and then dun, 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 you know it's just like upbeat and you could be wearing a frown but as soon as as soon as you hear that song it uh, changes the entire day so that's uh i'm gonna go ahead and say ants marching off the top of my head yeah that's a good pick like you said once those drums come on you hear them you you instantly just snap out of whatever funk you are in and uh it reminds me of the office where andy bernard is at a roller skating rink and he goes up to the dj he's like playing dmv deep tracks only no hits. 
right? So he, he throws on the hit, and Andy's upset that he's, uh, okay, I got you, I got you. And yeah. dancing. That's exactly what made me think of. Oh, man. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, the hits are a reason for, the hits are the hits for a reason. I mean, they're just awesome. So, uh, all right, so same vein of thought. What's your favorite DMV lyric, and why is that one your favorite? Yeah, another another tough one for sure. And again, I think that would change every day, and, uh, depending on what's going on. But something you know, like you mentioned, Little Red Bird earlier, and that's uh, as far as songs put together, like structurally and lyrically, that's my favorite song. Um, and it's like I, that my favorite lyric is from that particular song and it says it's, there's comfort in counting the battles won after the war is lost and I find like uh, there's like a whole build up to that line and but like there's just it poses a lot of questions and it touches on a lot of emotion and, and history and future and curiosity it just uh, that line and the entire song really kind of really touches on a lot of uh, ideas and feelings and thoughts and it's very provocative and uh um so i would say my favorite line right now is uh, the comfort in counting the battles won after the war is lost do you have any um personal events in your life where you've lost a war and you've found comfort in and remembering the battles that you won is that something that's struck home with you personally Oh yeah, oh yeah, and for sure, I, I, I would imagine almost everybody has that kind of uh, feeling or idea. Um, but I would say, like, comfort in counting the battles won after the war is lost. Um, but we lost a house a few years ago, and uh, that was, uh, and I grew up in a country in Allegheny County, which is in New York, southern New York, you know. And, um, it's country. There's way there's like thirty thousand people in the whole county or something. There's like way more cows. And I just grew. I had a really nice uh, childhood growing up in uh, the open air, pretty much. And uh, we lost the house. And then, um, but like, you know, you can sit around and mope about things all day and let it ruin your day if you want. But like, if you look back and reflect and kind of sit back and smell the roses, kind of a kind of a thing, like. You can be weeding your garden and being like, oh, this flower is not what I want it to be, but it, you might miss your rose that you just grew, you know? So I would say, like, the memories that I had in the house that we lost and uh, just the great times and the solid uh, foundation of who I am and my solid foundation that I got with my friends, um, the memories that we made in that house. Um, they live on and I can write about them and stuff. And, have comfort in counting the battles won after the war is lost. So I think that kind of ties in good there. All right, so double part question up next. First part is how long have you been a fan for? Um, and the second question is, you know, what what brought you into the band initially? Like. Uh, most people have a song that they heard or maybe they went to their first concert and saw them live. There's usually an event that made somebody a fan or at least cemented the fandom. So how long have you been a fan and what, what really drew you in? Yeah, I became a pretty solid fan, I would say, about nine or ten years ago. And I... My sister's a big Dave Matthews fan, and uh, so I like I've always been around his music, and um, I also had a really good friend in high school. Uh, we would go to his house and you know be having a good old time, and he'd be jumping off coffee tables, and we'd be really jamming in like hardcore to Dave Matthews band, and um, like then he would just pull out all these facts about oh he did this, he's from here, and like he's self-taught, and like all this stuff and I'm like holy cow and like he started really feeding the facts to me about um, Dave Matthews and I would say I became a, a 
bigger fan then because all my, my my friends really enjoyed his music and who he was as a person or who he is as a person rather um i would say the moment that pushed me onto the other side of the fence would be going to my first live performance i saw the band play and it's just as soon as they all like start playing music it's just sends you in a different uh a different place in your dimension or different yeah definitely yeah it's just so i would say the live performance was what really was just amazing and that that's what made me a solid uh, dave matthews band fan yeah live shows will do that for you even if people don't necessarily care for the band and go to a live show, you can't help but respect the energy that they bring and the experience uh, of what they do for those two to three hours on stage. It's just, it's undeniable. So there's two types of, of hardcore DMB fans, and one is not better or worse than the other. It just is what it is. There's one camp who can tell you, like, what Boyd was wearing in his show from 1998 when they played the last stop for the first time in two years and it was truncated with a difference that's one kind and then there's another kind who who is just deeply in love with the dmb community and the communication between everybody and the shared experience at the the shows it's really built on the family aspect of it and that's the camp that i i fall into but like i said one's not better or worse than another but that brings us to our next question and that is what brought you into the dmb community um, and what what does it mean to have a quasi family built around the music that we all know and love yeah i am um, the dmb community is just insanely uh powerful and it's very um, uh, the love is very infectious and it's very attractive and, and like I would say like Dave Matthews fan base is like so huge it reminds me of like it's like you know how Kiss has the Kiss army and like Grateful Dead has uh, like the Deadheads when this Dave Matthews band community is just astronomical like it's just full of love and yeah, they're easy folk to talk to. Um, what brought me, you know, like, really, like, um, to be more interactive in the community is actually um, folks from the community reaching out to me, you know, and, and um, just, I don't know, the best way for me to describe it would be, like, if I was standing at a party and, like, there was, like, the clicks of groups and stuff and I'm just standing there like, which one do I want to join? Like, I don't know. And the Dave Matthews community is like, hey, you like Dave Matthews, yeah? Come on over! And like, they're just so welcoming and loving. There's, uh, It's very easy to get along with these folks, and um, I love being a part of it. And it's uh, very... The DMB community is just a great platform <clears throat> for people to have a positive experience with one another. And I think that, uh, especially these times, but at any time, uh, we always need more of that. Okay, so if you had the chance to sit down with every man, woman, and child on the planet and play one song for them to hear from the DMB catalog, one gift, only one, but everybody on the planet listened to it, what song would you want everybody in the world to hear and why that particular song? I had to choose one song and for everybody to listen to it would be I'm gonna have to roll with oh and I'll just um, more or less like kind of describing like how this year has gone thus far for everybody and I would say like just the opening line and that could um, I think everybody could relate to at some point in their life but you know when he says the world is blowing up and the world is falling down and um, the world has lost her way again, but you are here with me. 
you are here with me and that's makes it okay and um i think that uh, in itself is uh kind of tells that it's tells a big story basically what i'm trying to get to and like but um i think that that little line there i think you could really say that that's the overall message of what even Dave Dave music is portraying is but you are here with me that makes it okay so like no matter what we got each other and we should go through whatever it is happiness sadness um, with one another share those experiences and help um, you know lend a hand when you have one to lend and make sure you recognize it to grab it when you need it so yeah I would say oh right now is one song that everybody needs to listen to Just like Little Red Bird, Oh, is one of those songs that's also criminally underrated. I mean, that was the first song I ever heard um, where it was just Dave Matthews when I was first starting to become a fan. I remember it vividly. It was um, it was called the AOL Sessions, and he did Oh and Don't Drink the Water, and I forget the third song he did, but I heard Oh with just him and a guitar. Oh man, it, it floored me just the lyricism in it. And so, you know, people think simple songs are easy to write, singer songwriters. That's not the case. It's not the case. It may sound simple, it may sound very plain with the lyrics or the guitar stop. It is not simple. So, I, I really appreciate somebody that can pull off what feels like a simple song, but really is intertwined with emotion and soul so yeah that's that's an absolute great song to pick for everybody to hear like you said especially this year knowing that you know as long as the people you love are close to you it, it makes it okay that was a outstanding selection um all right so i want you to think of a high moment in your life uh, uh high tide moment whether it be a wedding or it be birthday whatever the case may be and tell us about that time and tell us how either dmb impacted that event in real time or maybe looking back there's a song that helps give context to that day of celebration yeah uh i was thinking a little bit about this and for some reason this goofy story keeps popping up and I think I'll I think I'll tell it um, I think if my friend ever hears this um, I think it'll put a big old smile on his face telling it it's really funny and it's how um, you know Dave Matthews is like been the background music for a lot of my memories and just you know if I was gonna have like a montage of memories um, I would choose a lot of his music but he did a cover song um, I don't know when it was at it was a Pete Seeger song that he did. It was called Rye Whiskey. And it was funny just how the day ended up. I was hanging out with a buddy of mine and we were, um, you know, like just having a good old time and hanging out by the river and, uh, you know, just drinking a little whiskey. And um, we started getting a little goofy and we were jamming to some Dave Matthews. And that cover song came on, that Rye Whiskey song. And... And I don't know what made me do it, but there was a vine hanging out of a tree, and I was like, I'm going to climb it. <laughs> and so I decided that I proceeded to climb this vine, and I got like six or seven feet up. Not super high, but like, it was fun, you know? But then the vine rips out of the canopy of this tree, and I fell right on my back, and it knocked the wind out of me. And my buddy was like, oh my god, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm good, you know? And like, trying to catch my breath, but... No sooner, like, don't I get my breath back, I hear the, uh, the line in that song. He says, if a tree don't fall on me, I'll live till I die. Rye whiskey, rye whiskey. You know, it just, it was just perfect timing. And um, there's, it was just, that just the timing was impeccable. And it really, like, painted a really good picture for, like, um, <laughs> that little memory for us. So, that's, uh pretty impactful good memory for me nice 
well, not to cause a drastic shift, uh, paradigm shift, but we're gonna we're gonna go to the other side of the spectrum now and um, pick out a an event in your life, one of the low points, and again share if there's a DMB song that impacted that time in, in real time or maybe gives perspective to it when you're looking back on the event. Yeah, this is a very tough one. One of the lowest times in my life, I suppose, would be, like I said earlier, when we lost that house and it was just like a, a really good point in my life and just like memories of childhood and all that stuff and all that good stuff. But um, when then like going to have like a breakup afterward or something like that, you know, and just like how, you know, it's like you would, you stub your toe in the morning, like that law of attraction and then like that like shapes your whole day. Well, I think when we lost that house, it like shaped like the next two years of my life and I was just attracting all this garbage in my life. And um, so what I caught, what song I caught myself listening to a lot was Some Devil. And um, that song has visited me a lot of times, in, in a lot of great times. But if I had a song off the top of my head to choose from that I was listening to a lot in some really uh, tough times, I'm going to roll with Some Devil. And, uh, that song is uh, just incredibly deep. Um, and just very similar feelings or or the way i hear that song anyways i feel like i share uh, a feeling in that song what he wrote it about i'm not you know entirely sure or you know what event <laughs> caused him to write it but that's the one he was able to write that song and it related i was able to relate with it in uh, uh certain ways Yeah, there again, another great song choice. Tell you what, this interview is the first one where it, the your song selections sort of catch me off guard each time. Uh, just amazing insight onto how you see the world with the songs that you choose and, and why you choose them. And like I said, we travel for a living, so if I ever get close to you, we are getting together and having some drinks and uh, discussing this a lot further. Uh, I would absolutely love it. Yeah. I, it's yeah. funny, um, you said that you're over in California. I was just in California not too long ago at Long Beach. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, so I wasn't too awful far from you, I don't think. No, so, Long Beach is about uh, 40 minutes from here, give or take, not far at all. Right. So it's kind of funny. I was like, what? I was right there. <laughs> it's hilarious. So if you could sit down with a band for a few minutes, Everybody's in there sitting on a couch. Uh, what would you tell them? And uh, how would you reply? What, what would you want to tell them? Hmm. Very tough again. Um, I would try to do my absolute best to maybe tell them something that they've never heard before, which would probably be very tough. I might ask him what the airspeed velocity is of a of a swallow or something like that. Well, I don't know. European or African swallow? I don't know that. Ah! <laughs> no, but uh, I'll just make sure that he knew that um, how much he influences my life and is big inspiration. The whole entire band, who like the music that they play, the energy that they create, and the fan base that like the. Um, group of people that they attract you know and just like the message that's in their music and just the great times that they create and are a part of and um it's just it's unbelievable what they do for me personally but i mean you can see it for through everybody else that's a dave matthews fan they're just there's so much sincerity and genuine um love harmony everything that's so positive and um it's it's big what they're doing and I, it's very inspiring and I want them to know that so that'd be pretty cool to let them know that okay so the final question is one that I find to be the most difficult of all the questions we go through here on the podcast um, if you were to have to sit down 
and explain the overall message of DMB's music to somebody, how would you describe the music? How, how would you describe what the core message is and what is that core message in your opinion? Wow. Yeah. I think... <laughs> I don't even know if they know what the entire message is. It's so big. Um, I think it's obviously a lot of it's love. You can't answer that question without that word love, for sure. Um, I think another one is harmony and just peace and being kind to one another. Um, but I think it's also that sense of community that he's really created and, um, and has a, such a great following and that describing your emotions and feelings and like just being able to hey, there's a song I would in my opinion there's a song for everybody whether you like Dave Matthews or not there's something he, if you're feeling happy if you're feeling sad if you're just feeling curious if you're feeling anything like there's he touches on so many emotions even emotions that there's no word for yet um, so, and I think that's something to uh, investigate or definitely it's um, it's unbelievable, I would say, and I would, that's the main message I would say, though, is, would be love, peace, kindness, and harmony with one another, that chain of friendship, chain of communication is important. Yeah, I think, talking about emotions that can't be defined, I think one of the things that makes them unique both in how they operate and what they provide, and that's pure passion. I get passion when I listen to them, and that makes me feel that passion. Um, and it's, it's hard to define anything particular about it, but it's a definite passion that they, they inspire. Um, and, I mean, you can't, can't create something that doesn't come from you, so that passion lies in the hearts of each of those men up on stage. Uh, that's where it starts. These songs don't just happen. They come out of the minds and hearts of these guys. And knowing that and then seeing the impact it has on people, like you said, it, it can almost be indescribable um, at times. Uh, all right. So last thing we do for all of our guests that come on is we let you use the platform to plug away anything that you want the world to know more about some people list out their social media profiles or their friends some people um, go into charities and events like farm aid but the floor is yours uh, just tell the world what you think they should know more about well yeah i <clears throat> Yeah, you'll be able to follow me on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram. It should be Eli Carr, then the number two with the N, and then a Z. So it's like Eli Cartoons. And um, yeah, just uh, if you want to stay updated and follow along with me and see what I'm up to and um, possibly make some good friendships here. That's what it's all about. Spread that love and a message of joy. Um, one thing that I would like to probably to or maybe shed some light on would be a uh, kind of a, a native uh, thought or uh, concept and it's not just the native thought or concept but it you know it's it should be an everybody concept and it's called seven generations right and what we mean by seven generations is it's it's our job to remember the seven generations before us every every Thing that they've done has given us the life that we enjoy today up to seven generations ago and it's our job um, everything that you do that we all do um, affects the next seven generations after us so it's our job to remember the things that seven generations did for us and it's our job to it's our responsibility to take care of the earth um, each other you know whatever it is but it everything you do affects the next seven generations so I'd like to get that message out there a little bit more it would be nicer to each other in the, in the earth and the planet that we have so
So, folks, if you go over to um, dmbeyondemand.com slash podcast, you'll find our show notes, and we'll have links in there for both how to follow Eli on social media and some more information on the seven generations that he just spoke of. Uh, So you'll see that if you're on Apple or Google, you'll see that right there on the episode notes, or you can always go to our webpage and look up the episode notes there. So that way you'll be able to follow the right the right account and, and you'll have some more information about this seven generations um, so before we wrap up you know i want to tell you it was it was great talking with you and the interview was refreshing in that you didn't go down i don't know how to say it's going to sound negative no matter how i put it but i don't mean it that way some people just kind of go with what's your favorite song and you can count it's either going to be like pig or dreaming tree uh, you know, the, it's just the common favorites. So when I hear Little Red Bird, Some Devil, Oh, um, it, it's refreshing to get those selections, especially when you share why those are your selections. So one thing we're doing here is we're going to be starting a second format for the podcast where we have somebody come on and we just pick a song. And we pick a song and we go lyric by lyric and we share what those lyrics mean to us and how we live them in our everyday life. So I'd like to have you back on in a future future uh, episode where we can pick a song, maybe one that's not so common, and go line by line and just kind of pick it apart and see how it applies to all of us and see what we can find and, and learn together. Um, I definitely want to have you back to do that. I think it would be an interesting session to tear up a song with you and, and break it all down. So. Um, Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. And like I said in the beginning, it's you have your you wear your heart on your sleeve, and what you see is what you get, and that's pretty rare these days. So it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, this episode is probably going to be a couple weeks out before we publish it, but uh, by the time we do, we might even be starting that second format. So stay tuned for more information for that. But anyway. Eli, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, truly appreciate your time and stopping in to give us uh, your perspective on things. So thanks, man. After the interview, we air our segment titled The Way I Heard It. This is a segment for you, the listener. Each episode, we reach out to a handful of listeners and ask them about a specific song and what it means to them and how they apply the message of that song in their own life. Some will make you laugh, others will make you cry with empathy, but each one is straight from the heart. So let's get right into this week's edition of The Way I Heard It. Hey everyone, my name is Leia, and the song I am talking about is Do You Remember? Since Farm Aid 2017 and Song Teases since 2012, Dave has been playing Do You Remember? A sweet, nostalgic glimpse into the days of innocence well before its official release in June of 2018. We all know that Dave and DMB never fail to casually and unknowingly hint at ominous glimpses of upcoming world events and song lyrics. In this case, the enemy's coming, we should take cover, the odds are against us. In January 2018, threats of North Korean missile attack occurred in Hawaii, and in the beginning of 2020, a global pandemic we are still under threat of to this day on June 17, 2020. On January 13, 2018, a mere four days after Dave's birthday and five months before the official release of Do You Remember on Come Tomorrow, residents and tourists in the state of Hawaii were briefly thrown into a state of panic when an emergency alert was issued, advising of an imminent ballistic missile threat. Another message was sent out about 40 minutes later, describing the first alert as a false alarm. 
The incident is still under investigation. This song was eerily the musical backdrop of this false threat, an incident for me and so many of us, especially those of us with Hawaii ties. In Camden in June 2018, Dave prefaced the Do You Remember song with the introduction. When we have good times together, those are the things that stay with us, and those are the things that make us grow. But we have to go through hard things together too, but it's always good to remember the beautiful things. I think that's what this song is a little bit about. Collectively, this beautiful reminiscent song of youth speaks into the rich kaleidoscope of life experiences, the darker wartime themes only now familiar to the most recent of generations. As children of innocence, we believe in good, the magic and ever-abundant possibility of promise and plenty. We believe in the imaginary and fantastical, recreations of cowboys and Indians, monsters, ghosts, and days of gold rush settlements. On a night walk one recent balmy evening, it occurred to me that besides this collective reminiscence, this song especially symbolized my dad's life a person I speak often enough about within the DMB family circle, and this song encapsulated the rich tapestry of his greatest memories told over and again and again. As a deaf-blind kid, my dad was filled with mischief and spirit, and he was all too often falling through a thin pond of ice or whacked in the head with a hockey puck or receiving stitches from one injury or another. As a teenager, one great story involved underage drinking, smuggling beers into the local drive-in with his buddies and the girls, and when the cops arrived, how all the kids scrambled. Of course, my dad Brian, who could barely see in the mayhem, from the effect of beers as well as the fact that my dad was going blind and deaf from a disease called retinitis pigmentosa, ended up in the backseat of what he thought was his friend's car, yet instead found himself flesh to flesh with another not totally amused young couple kissing and writhing sweet up and downs in the backseat while they all awaited the cops to pass by. When dad was in college and his older brother Mark was fighting in Vietnam, the grandpa I never met and the boys' father hung himself with an extension cord in the basement of their childhood home. In the line, the enemy's coming, we will take cover, the odds are against us. I also think of the Vietnam War and the dysfunction and mental anguish molded and carved into mental illness from the PTSD my uncle and of course so many others received during wartime. Then hearing of his father's death and the nature of his death while overseas, to my dad's own shock hearing this news as a college freshman, to the resulting depth of overall family trauma affecting us all during a time when counseling and, sp and speaking about suicide was so taboo. The odds of making it through such a time unscathed for life emotionally was against them, and they barely made it through life sane. In the lyrics, do you remember when we could see the color of sunshine, the color of laughter, the color of love, the color of water, and the summer so plenty is pouring all over us. The color of sunlight rising up like emotion is pouring all over us. To me, these lyrics remind me of my dad's beautiful, youngest, most innocent days when he was able to see, before the degenerative illness of RP, which strips the recipient of sight, and Usher syndrome, which results in sight and hearing loss, gradually took his vision and hearing away like a ticking time bomb. In these early days of youth, when these colors were so bright and vivid and undoubtedly taken for granted, the color of sunlight I am reminded of is the sunlight through our closed eyes, this blazing, blinding brightness of light, which was the one thing my father was able to see throughout the remainder of his years. He was able to see the light. In the lyrics, we were sinking in quicksand, there's no rope to save us, we're on our own, searching for treasure. So, in the days and weeks before my dad's passing in July of 2011, it was decided that my father was to remain under the care of me, his only child, at his home instead of at a hospice or nursing home. With two cochlear implants, my father had to have the batteries in these hearing devices changed and recharged once every nine hours. It was a gripping experience, for if a battery change was ever missed, 
or backups failed to charge for some reason, my father would become extremely anxious, and for me, as his overly empathic daughter, I would become twice as anxiety-ridden. Whether his unfailing sense of humor, devilish leprechaun nature, or perhaps the hospice drugs, for whatever reason, when my dad was asked, do you have any assets, by the hospice team, and then reiterated by his best childhood friend, Ray, my dad said, yes, $80,000. Ray and I looked at each other as this was news to us both. $8,000, asked Ray for clarification. No, $80,000, my dad reiterated. In real estate, his home was a rental. No, liquid. And then he clarified that it was in the basement. In the days and weeks following my father's passing, we searched the creepy mold-filled coastal Newport, Rhode Island basement to finally discover a chest, a treasure chest buried deep under a heap of old chairs. Oh, the anticipation. When my husband and I finally got to and opened the chest, we discovered a chest filled with nothing other than beer keg taps. We kept searching, had dudes come check out the rafters in the scary attic, under floorboards in the antiquated basement. We needed to figure out what the heck my dad was talking about as we planned to move his furnishings out of his decades-long rental at the end of the month. We spoke with psychics and treasure-finding mediums and experts, and in the end, and in the end, no $80,000 treasure. A few weeks later, however, I discovered that I was pregnant. Became pregnant on the 4th of July, four days before my father's passing, for the very first time at the age of 40. This, I came to full realization in the end, was the treasure he was speaking of. Thank you so much, everybody. And I hope you enjoyed my discussion on Do You Remember? Have a wonderful day. Hey everyone, this is Mary Jane at Janie Gary 2. And this is Sam at SE Gary 78. And we're going to be discussing Do You Remember, which is on the Come Tomorrow album, and talk about what it means to us. And we're going to go one, one whole verse at a time. So we'll start with the first verse. Do you remember when we were small? Do you remember when we believed there was gold in the river and ghosts in the attic? Don't go up there alone. The enemy's coming. We will take over. The odds are against us. So I guess uh, when when I listen to that song, it's it's kind of like I always think that that the band is painting a picture as they start the song. And so to me, I, I just see youth. Um, just whether it's friends or family, but I just see young kids that are playing together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it actually makes me think, um, Ghost in the Attic kind of makes me, uh, gives me a reminder of how I used to tear my, tear at my brother when he was little. Um, but you know, make tell them ghost stories and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it definitely reminds me of you know being really young and finding something to make believe in every day. Uh, the next, the next verse is: Do you remember when we were young? Do you remember when we make believe? We were sinking in quicksand. There's no rope to save us. Yeah, we're on our own. We're searching for treasure. Kissing girls in the backseat. We're on our own. The enemy's coming. We should take cover. The odds are against us. Um, and that's still just, I still feel like he's painting this picture of, of kids. And, um, you know, my brother, my closest in age brother and I are two years apart. So we made believe a lot at our house in Maryland we actually had um, it was a it was like a storage area 
in the basement and, and it was back behind my dad's office and you could get to it through the closet and we used to pretend that that was our cave and we would go in there and hide from our parents and make up all these stories and um, you know I mean we just let our imagination take over it reminds me of myself personally growing up and the first house that I remember living in um, not too far from where we lived there was a creek and there was it was kind of deep and kind of like a pretty far down but there was rope swings going from side to side we were there, there's no rope to save us that kind of made me think of that but um, we were never brave enough or big enough to uh, try and make that swing across but um, as far as the other line we're searching for treasure um, me and a friend of mine growing up or a couple friends we would you know make up treasure maps and hide stuff from each other and stuff like that so you know we were between seven eight nine years old so we, we did a lot of stuff like that playing outside all the time and you know the neighborhood lent to that because there were a bunch of kids my age and we would go down to the creek go to the park whatever and just make make up anything we felt like doing see when we when we lived in maryland we lived on a what do they call it a court and it was all kids from the neighborhood and um everyone just kind of always played together and and we used to come up with these crazy stories uh, kind of funny when we had to I think I was 19 when I finally told my mom that all those crazy stories that the neighbor used to call her at work and tell her about her kids being over. It was actually true. <laughs> uh -huh. I used to climb on the roof and hide from people. Well, me and some of the kids, I just looking at the, the lyrics, the enemy's coming, we should take cover. It was like we played cops and robbers with squirt guns a lot during the summers. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. My parents... Our house had a big backyard, we had a slip and slide and, you know, plenty of room. So a lot of the kids would come over and we would play cops and robbers or cowboys and Indians in the uh, in the backyard with squirt guns. That was a lot of fun. Okay, the next, next one is, um, do you remember when we could see the color of sunlight, the color of laughter, the color of love, the color of water? In the summer so plenty, it was pouring all over us, the color of sunlight, rising up like an ocean and pouring all over us. It's pouring all over us. And just that, the mention of that word sunlight um, just makes me think of our boys. Right. And, you know, there's a six and a half year age difference, but man, we'd hear those giggles coming out of their, out of their bedroom yeah. and never knew what they were up to. For sure. And then... The same thing, the sunlight and the laughter and the love and the water made me think of our the trip we took down to the beach. Oh, yeah. First, First spring time. break. Yeah, spring break when we when we had, you know, your brother and <clears throat> your brother and sister-in-law went and Meg. your mom and Meg and, and then the boys. That was, that was a lot of fun. And speaking of giggles, you know, when they wouldn't sleep at night, Ben would stay up all night laughing. Watching Back to the Future on that vacation. Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> right. But, you know, the the ocean pouring all over them. You know, they just set a blast, and it was a lot of fun. I actually, um, when, I, when I heard this the first time, I thought about that. That Christmas when we had had snow in forever, and so remember we went down to the park, and John had bought all the jumbo uh, marshmallows and he gave the, he didn't tell us what we were doing, but he gave all the kids the jumbo marshmallows and we spread out in the field and they were throwing marshmallows at each other. We had a Texas, uh, what did he call it? Texas, Texas snowball, snowball fight. fight. And it was probably 80 degrees that day on Christmas. Yeah. Ridiculous. But they laughed. But it was fun. They laughed so, so hard that day. Um, okay. Do you remember when we would scream out loud, come out and get me, there's a river to drown in, 
Won't you come out and play? The color of water rising up like an ocean and pouring all over us. We could be heroes, making love in the backseat. It's the summer of love, the color of water, and the color of sunlight is pouring all over us. To me, that just kind of encapsulates the whole song. You know, uh-huh. growing up, you know, from when you're when you're a little screaming out loud, you know, because you're giggling or scared or whatever, and then come out and get me. There's a river to drown in. Won't you come out and play? Reminds me of going down the street to various friends' house, knocking on the door, and seeing if they'd come out and play. You know, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, that's that's what speaks to me is you know, the beginning of your life or the beginning of growing up, you know, whenever you're able to run down the street <clears throat> and ask your friends if they can come out and play and mom's not watching you or dad's not watching you and things like that. You came in when the sun went down. Or the lights came on, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, growing up, we lived in a really uh, small neighborhood. Everybody knew everybody. And so we would ride our bikes forever. And when we moved to Texas, we didn't know anybody. And so, like, I just had my brother to play with. Um, and we would, we would, uh, we would play wrestling, and we would put on our swimsuits, and we would put on our bathrobes, and we would go, and we would stand on opposite corners of the couch, and we would pretend like we were the WWF wrestlers, (laughs) and my mom would would get so mad, because, you know, here we were screaming, and carrying on and yelling and throwing each other around but um you know we just we had so much fun and it's not I don't think it's a it's an experience that most people you know I'm not I'm not gonna go to my brother's house and put on my swimsuit in my bathroom and ask him if he wants to play WWF wrestling anymore yeah what you all for that um and the boys you know they never our boys they never um they never played rough like that but, um, you know, uh, Adam was so obsessed with the weather. Remember how he had built that, he built that uh, camera and Ben had to be his cameraman. That's right. Adam would <laughs> do the news broadcast and um, it's just, the as they grew up, you know, the, the way that they played, it was, it was just so funny. Um, and then again, sunlight always reminds me of of just happiness and and you know Benjamin he associates sunlight with Adam, right. um, and that's what I kept hearing the first time we we heard the song. Um, and then I thought it was interesting after we after we listened to it to go back and look at when the album came out because you said the same thing you thought this was an older song but. I mean, this song just came out two years ago. Right. Or the album came out two years ago. Um, and so, to me, it's when you, you sit and you listen to the song and you think about not just each individual line, but the, the song as a whole. It's just going back to that simpler time, going back to that happier time. And I don't know, the, the, the instrumental part of the song is just so... Yeah, you said you said it was upbeat, light, and peppy, something like that. Yeah, it makes me want to dance. It's so peppy, right? I think as a non-dancer, it makes me want to dance. You have a couple drinks at a show, you'll dance. (laughs) But it 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 did. You know, you hear it, and then you just you just kind of want to move with it, and then you listen to the words, and you know it it just makes me happy whenever I hear it, whether it's yeah, you know, thinking about my own childhood or our kids growing up or. That's exactly the way I feel about it too, you know. Um, we heard it for the first time not too long ago and now it's something I listen to quite often just because I like it. It's a, it's a happy song. And it reminds me of, like you just said, me growing up playing with my friends and giving my brother crap. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then of course our boys, like I said, you know, like you said, like I said, I mean, it, it, this song reminds me a lot of you know, vacations and when Adam would come stay the weekends and all that sort of thing. And them goofing off and not going to sleep when they were supposed to. No, they were too busy sitting on the top bus playing the Wheel of Fortune. 
exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's a great song and it reminds me of good times. I think it's become one of my favorites, so hopefully everybody out there can go and listen to Do You Remember on the... I, now, I we've listened to both the, the album version and then the live version, and I actually prefer the live version. The words are a little different. I just think it's a little more... I always like the live versions because Dave's a little more... Um, I don't know. What's the word for it? He tends to make it up as he goes. Yeah, it's just, it's it's fun for me. It's fun to watch, so. It's like, those aren't the words. Yeah, <laughs> I they, did say that. They one. can be whatever they want them, <laughs> he wants them to be. But it's, <laughs> it's I, like I said, I, I prefer the live version, so, you know, listen to both. See which one you like better. Which one do you like better? Probably the live version we that is on YouTube. And I'm sure there's more than one, but this one that always pops up. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, you enjoyed as much as we did. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. I want to thank Eli, Bridget, Sam, Mary Jane, and Leah for their contributions in this episode. A special thank you to Eli for being so open and honest about his life. If you want to be a guest on the show or part of the Way I Heard It segment, simply go to dmbondemand.com and visit the Be Our Guest or Co-Contributor section in the menu. We'll see you again next Monday for Episode 3. Until then, always love.